0: Muddy FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. The Bigger Picture with Ryan Huang of fm 89.3. Good morning, it's The Breakfast Huddle. Elliot Danker, Baranity jackson Ryan Huang. Uh, time now for the bigger picture. Let's take a look at uh, what we're paying attention to.
1: Yeah, as we wrap up the week, China Evergrande is back in the headlines for all the wrong reasons. Plus, the market rally of the past few days seems to have finally fizzled mm. out, mm. Ryan.
0: So some jitters are coming back. You've got Evergrande on the table once again, and they have been labelled a defaulter for the first time. We've seen this coming. And also, also US inflation data that comes out tonight. So investors looking ahead to see what might be the data that the FOMC will be digesting as they go into the meeting next week where they might be talking about quickening the pace of tapering. So to get a bigger picture, I've got Sunny Hamid. He is the director of wealth management for Financial Alliance. TGIF, Sunny, how are you doing today? Morning, I'm fine, thank you. All right, let's talk about the topics investors will be watching very closely today. And I think right at the top will be the repercussions or the ripple effects around China Evergrande, which has now been officially labelled a defaulter. And it's not just China Evergrande; you've also got Kaiser Group labelled a defaulter as well. So, what's the implications today? You think in markets and the coming days?
1: Well, I think a lot of it probably has been price, and of course, there was optimism that Beijing would step in and help out but there was also a big group of us who are rather investors and in the market which expected something like this to happen. But Beijing has been very clear. Its policy is to step aside and let the market determine the future of Evergrande and many of these other property developers. And not only them, but any other highly leveraged company. Beijing is clear in that it doesn't want to encourage over-leverage. Hmm. And this really is one way of sending out a very strong signal to companies to say that you're on your own if you over-leverage.
0: Yeah, Sunny, what is the price of stepping aside? You know, the pros and cons, because this means the property sector might see more pressure and maybe investors might get some jitters as well and might turn into a bit of a slowdown for the Chinese economy.
1: Yeah, I think Beijing itself, if you realise that early this year came into in onto credit growth and such. So oh. that sends a signal that while growth is important, they feel that in order to pursue the common prosperity policy. They don't mind giving up a little bit of growth. And I think this is really in line with that. You can't have the cake and eat it. Mm. Um, leverage results in growth. And if you rein in on leverage, then you rein in on growth. And I think that's the uh, price that, that they're willing to take.
0: Yeah, And you're talking about growth, looking at the jobs market in the US, it looks quite promising going by the latest data on initial jobless claims. That is now at the lowest levels in 52 years 184,000 and that is actually below pre-pandemic levels walk us through what you think about the numbers and how sustainable these numbers will be I think it's accumulation of
1: a few things of course first and foremost is the reopening and that's causing a huge demand for workers On the other hand, workers are not coming back (laughs) into the market because we have a whole bunch of them who basically feel that, I mean, those who were probably five Mm -hmm. years into retirement, they now feel that basically they want to take an early retirement given what's happened. And we've got a bunch of them who basically feel that I've changed my priorities in life because of the pandemic. And when you add both demand and supply together, this is what you get, much lower claims and a much tighter job market.
0: Yeah, I'm also hearing a lot of complications arising from childcare arrangements because of COVID-19. just tougher to get away from home to take part in the workforce. So that's something to take into account. And also in focus in the US is the next round of inflation data that's going to be out tonight. We saw a 30-year high in October at 6.2%. What are you watching out for here, Sunny? And what
1: will the FOMC do next week. I think it will continue to be high because of the base effect and of course there's real actual demand pushing inflation at this particular point and the supply bottlenecks. So economists are expecting thirty year highs, forty year highs because the numbers are really at this historical levels at this particular point. So no surprise there. I think the main thing now is whether the Federal Reserve will start tapering not because they think inflation is going to be permanent, but because they don't want to fuel inflation further, given that if excess liquidity does have a problem or effect on inflation. So I think that's the key thing, is how fast will they quicken the tapering? I don't think monetary tightening is on the card, meaning you say rise in interest rate.
0: Okay, we'll see how high the inflation data will be out tonight. And just to wrap things up, back home, Singapore and Malaysia bosses, may be poised to jump such talks for a seamless trading link. Now, if you've been watching, markets, you've probably seen this headline before and this was actually more than three years after a similar plan was put to an end after the change in regime in Malaysia. So, what's going on here? What sort of opportunities will this open up, Sunny? And is there actually a demand for these things when
1: or if the two two exchanges are linked up? (laughs) Good question whether there's a demand. I think Singapore investors, especially those from my generation, for example, are still licking our wounds from the Eklop issues the last time when they suddenly closed down the Eklop in Mm. Malaysia and left us um, um, high and dry, so to say. Um, The flip-flopping itself with respect to the launching of this particular scheme, uh, because of a change in regime, also tells investors we have to be careful because what happens if a new regime comes back in? Will they change again? Um, And lastly, I think for anybody investing in Malaysia, currency has always been a the ringgit has been depreciating against the single dollar historically, and, and therefore, all these considerations, I would think that demand may be slow. There will be opportunities, but I think demand will be slow. Yeah,
0: a lot of investors still scarred by the clock <laughs> situation, <laughs> <laughs> and that's something we've been uh, um, thinking about for quite some time. All right, we've been chatting with Sunny Hamid, he's the director of wealth management for Financial Alliance. Sunny, thanks for your time today, and have a thanks great weekend in advance.
1: You too. Before
0: acting on the information on Money FM,